Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. I'm Sean Carlson. Today, New Yorkers are pausing to remember the 9-11 attacks. Mayor Adams, a former NYPD cop, was on duty when the plane struck the World Trade Center. In a WCBS interview, he shared his experience of visiting Ground Zero that evening. The ground was smoldering. Uh, You still saw the smoke. You saw officers and Marine and uh, National Guard all covered in soot. There was just eerie stillness. Today, 22 years later, Adams was at this morning's 9-11 ceremony. He was joined by Vice President Kamala Harris and Governor Kathy Hochul. Every year, families and friends of victims gather to read their names aloud. New Yorkers are more likely to be drinking water from lead pipes in predominantly Latino neighborhoods. WNYC's Jacqueline Jeffrey Walensky takes us through the findings of a new study. The researchers from Columbia University wanted to see if lead pipes were more common depending on the demographics of a neighborhood. So they combined the city's service line inventory with census data and looked for connections. They found that for every additional 20% of Latino residents, the proportion of lead pipes increased by 15%. Exposure to lead can cause irreversible brain damage in children. The pipes are less of an immediate threat because the city adds chemicals to the water to prevent the lead from flaking off the pipes. But researchers and advocates say they need to be replaced in the next decade to avoid any accidents, and that these higher-risk neighborhoods should get top priority. Stay close. There's more after the break. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You can just say stuff and you can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore. Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. For nearly 50 years, the Caribbean Social Club in Williamsburg has been a mainstay for New York's Puerto Rican community and new arrivals from the island. It's hosted celebrities from Bad Bunny, Maluma, Blue Beetle director Angel Manuel Soto, and Madonna to local bands who fill the tight space with the sound of horns and maracas. But with the arrival of tens of thousands of migrants to New York City, the club, known as Tonitas after its owner, is taking on new life as a community hub for some of the city's newest New Yorkers. Last week, I caught up with Marta Campabadal-Graus and Leticia Vila-San Juan Zamora, two freelance journalists who wrote about the role Tonitas is playing for new arrivals. So this question is uh, for you both. Leticia, you can start. Um, Tonitas has been around for decades. Can you describe what the club is like? It's a small place located in Williamsburg. The walls are full of pictures. There's Christmas lights all year round. The lights are always on. There's a big pool table. There's people playing domino. Um, Right by the entrance on the left, there's food because Tonita cooks every day for the people who go there. Um, And she's always hanging by the bar, which is at the end of the place near a patio where people like hang out, sometimes have a beer. And she's always there with her big rings serving beers for the people who go there. (laughs) Do you have anything else to add to that, Marta? One thing that 
struck to me the first time that I went there is that if it's during the day, you don't even see it because the door is so small and it's like at the end of a little hall. And if it's at night, you don't see it, but you hear the music. The music is pretty loud at night and yeah. people are there on the street. Yeah, we talked to Tonita about it and she said that literally nothing has changed since she opened the place. Wow. Um she says she's only like painted a few walls that were, you know, kind of falling apart. But apart from that, nothing has changed. Um, for example, she's resisted to installing an AC. Wow. There's no AC. So in the summer when you are there and you ask her, oh, it's so hot here. She's like, oh, no, it's just like the island. Like we're just reproducing the climate oh, yeah. on the island, the Puerto Rico weather. So, yeah, I would say it's a very untouched place. That's one of the really interesting things about it, because Williamsburg has changed so much over the past 20, 30 years, right? The club itself has survived some pretty drastic changes to the community. How has that been possible, given all of the gentrification that's gone on around there? Yeah, so Tonita herself um, explained to us that the fact that, you know, she owns the building and she lives um, on the first um, floor, the rent for the social club hasn't increased over time because um, if she didn't own the place, she probably wouldn't have been able to keep paying the high rent that would have increased over time. When she bought the place and opened the social club, all the businesses around her were owned by Puerto Ricans yeah. and that, that has definitely changed over time. Now there's a few bodegas that maybe are, but it's not the same. Yeah. In that neighborhood, is it largely still Puerto Rican or is it, I mean, when I think of Williamsburg, <laughs> particularly South Williamsburg, which is where you see a lot of Puerto Rican people living, um, it's changing a lot. What is it like now compared to what Williamsburg used to be? I mean, is it a drastic difference? It's still an area, especially South Williamsburg, that's very um, Latino populated, especially with Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. Um, and when we were talking to her, she's very drastic in the way she says she's not interested in selling, that she's gotten a few offers, that no matter how many millions she gets offered, this is where her community is, this is what she enjoys, this is her life. And she even said to us, they could offer me a hundred million. I'm not selling the building. Like this is where my my club is staying. But um, I think the main change is that the uh, businesses around her in the area are not no longer run by Puerto Ricans or Dominicans in the way that, according to all the people that we've spoke that have been in the neighborhood for a really long time, used to be. So as we've been saying, Tonita's traditionally uh, catered to the Puerto Rican community in New York, but that does seem to be changing with the new arrival of tens of thousands of migrants and, and asylum seekers over the past year. You spoke to one Venezuelan asylum seeker who stumbled into the club one day and has been volunteering ever since. What does Tonita's mean to him? I think Tonita has really changed his life in New York. He stumbled upon the place randomly on New Year's Eve. He was walking with some friends and they stumbled upon Tonita's and you know, I think that was a life-changing experience on his um, New York life. Um, and yeah, he goes there every day. He works um, as a delivery man for Uber Eats and he's like there with his phone um, plugged in and he keeps like checking, tracking the app in case he has, you know, any delivery. And then he just helping Tonita clear up the place, like picking the, up the beers and, you know, he... Sometimes it's once or twice um, over the afternoon, the food that she brings. He said that Tonita is such a valuable person for him and for the community. And that he basically has that place as his like 
central point from where he goes delivery, he comes back and um, he also told us that he really appreciates the fact that he can be there without drinking or paying for anything. But if he's not drinking anything, no one will come and be like, you need to leave because, mm. you know, that's a social club. That's Donitas. That's really interesting. And you can just go and hang out and you're not required to, to purchase anything. I feel like that's not something you see all the time, but it's providing community to, to all these new New Yorkers, huh? And the good thing is that beers cost $3. Um, food is free, so she will never charge you if you decide to grab a plate and serve yourself food. And beers are $3. Oh so, my God. like, how can you find in a New place York like City? That? Yeah, not <laughs> yeah. even in Williamsburg, but in New York in general, right? In New York City. Yeah, so talk more about that, right? It's a place where uh, you can go and you can hang out, you can meet people, talk to people, eat for free, have a $3 beer. Um, find people who who speak your language and, and share your culture. What does Tonitas mean more broadly for the community? I think that Tonita herself, the way that she likes to describe it, is that it's a place where people who don't know each other talk to each other. And then if you stick around for long enough, you end up knowing everyone. So if you go for like three weekends in a row, you'll find yourself feeling like at home, like you enter a place where you initially didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly everyone says hi to you. I think that one of the themes that kept coming up was that it creates a sense of belonging for the community. And it's not just about the place or about Tonita herself, who is obviously very central to the community around her, but about this flow of like different people and ideas. And it's just like, it's not just a place to drink, but to gather, to talk, to dance. If she ever had to leave for some reason or close, um, that would mean cultural erasure of a lot of um, Puerto Ricans and other Latinos in the city that wouldn't have a place to hang out, that wouldn't have a place to gather. Because um, not necessarily they know each other like in a deep way, like, but they are friends there. That was journalist Marta Campobadal-Graus and Leticia Vila-San Juan Zamora. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Before we go, we want to let you know about a cool project we're working on here in the WNYC newsroom, and we want your input. All month, we're focusing on how our relationship to work has changed post-pandemic, and this week we're focusing on salary transparency. Most companies in New York City are now required to include a good-faith pay range on their job postings. So has salary transparency helped you in your career? How do you respond to seeing a salary range posted? What advice would you give someone just starting out in your field? Send us your thoughts at yourvoice at WNYC.org. You can email us or send us a voice memo. We may play your comments on the air and on this podcast. I'm Sean Carlson, and this is NYC Now. We'll be back tomorrow. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex, of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.